uh, love is always hopeful. And last week I shared this with you in John 16.33. I've told you all this so that trusting me, in me, you will be unshakable and assured, deeply at peace. In this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties. But take heart. Hallelujah. I've conquered the world. Amen. In this, he's talking about allow my reality to become your reality. In this, he's talking about ownership of peace, ownership of joy, things that are divine. We're talking about a word today, hope, which is a word that is divine, just as God is divine. There are three things that will never pass away, and we'll see that later in 1 Corinthians, but it's love, hope, and peace. And I want you to understand that those words are divine and like God, it will not pass away. Now, I shared with you the definition of hope. To entertain a good opinion. I hope you're taking uh, notes with this or you can get it on the internet or the CD. But we need to get a hold of this so we can practice this. But to entertain a good opinion. How many have ever been guilty of entertaining a bad opinion of someone? Uh, even maybe someone you're living with. You don't have to raise your hand. Or, or you know government or whatever, it's so easy to have a bad opinion, but hope means to entertain a good opinion. To believe well when there may be some dark appearances and when present evidence is not clear. Now that is powerful. And I just want to give an example of that right there. There's this painting of a, a, a cabin that was burnt down in the mountains. And it shows a man in his overalls, and they're all burnt and shabby. And it shows a little boy in his overalls, and he's on the side of the cabin crying. And the only thing that is left of this cabin is the chimney. Everything else is burnt down. They've lost everything. All they have on is the, the old man has his burnt long johns, and uh, which is underwear, thermal underwear for those who don't know, uh, country pajamas. And then you got uh, her, the little boy, that's just crying in his overalls. They've lost everything. What can we do? And it says on the bottom of the painting, Hush, son, God ain't dead. Hush, son, God ain't dead. I mean, here they are, they've lost everything. But you know what he says, wait a minute. We might have lost this in the natural, but we're still alive and our God's not dead. And you know, that's the type of attitude we've got to have is that you just need to look at your neighbor and say, God ain't dead. You know, can you believe, have you ever walked, I love walking with a woman with the issue of blood. And, and was she crawling, really, because she couldn't walk. She had the issue of blood for all those years. And Jesus came through, and here comes the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus. And he goes, Jesus, would you come? My daughter is at the point of death. My 12-year-old daughter is about ready to die. And so Jesus starts walking with him, and they go through this village. And here's this woman with issue of blood. And she'd been saying all this time, if I but just touch his garment, I shall be whole. And she touches the garment. And then Jesus stops on the way to see Jairus' daughter. Have you ever had something just stop on you? Like, come on, we got to hurry. My daughter's at the point of death here. And then she, he starts talking to her. And then he gives the woman the microphone. And she starts giving her testimony. I mean, no, no, don't go there. Anyway, he gives her the microphone. She starts telling about her story and how she said this. And she started going all over that and other. And he's going like, oh, no, she's dead by now. And they come running. They said, Master, don't bother the Messiah anymore. Don't bother the Christ anymore. Your daughter is dead. Why did Jesus turn and tell him? Your God ain't dead. So she ain't dead. She ain't dead. She's sleeping. You just keep believing. And they went on and they went and he, they slapped him to scorn. Isn't it something that when you're in the most desperate means and you're holding on, it seems by a thread, 
that's when people seem to really just download the discouragement on you. Like, you're still believing God for him? You're still believing God for her? You're still believing God for that? Don't you see the condition, the way things are? And they said, they laughed him to scorn, I mean to mockery. And Jesus said, just go ahead and step out the house. Because my God ain't dead. And when you get to these points where it seems like all is lost and all is hopeless, and what do we have to hope in? I mean, you may be right now that there are things that are in shambles, and you've got to say, but my God ain't dead. Shout that out, but my God, my God is not dead. Hallelujah. It means to stretch your faith beyond appearances for support of opinion of hope. I'm going to find hope here somewhere. In this situation that seems totally gone and totally hopeless, I'm going to keep searching beyond appearances. Say that with me, beyond appearances. Beyond appearances. You see, I'm going to read to you in a minute, hope that is seen is not hope because that which is hoped for is already manifested. So when you're hoping in the thing of the Spirit, you go beyond appearances, you go beyond what you see, you go beyond the attitudes, you go beyond the paperwork, you go beyond whatever's been done, whatever is being done, what has been done, you go beyond appearances and you keep looking. I'm going to find hope in here. I'm going to find something to grab a hold of. There's something here that hope and faith is going to grab a hold of. I may not see it, but I'm reaching out in the darkness. I'm reaching out in the darkness. I'm reaching out where I cannot see because on the other side, I'm going to touch something and it's going to give me hope. And I know what I've been believing God for is going to come to pass in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I want you to see, it goes on to say, it delights, it delights to entertain the best expectations. Delights to entertain the best expectations, even when met with repeated disappointments. Come on. Have you ever been there? What you doing? Oh, I'm believing God. Sunday morning, they leave here. I'm believing God. Then Monday, another disappointment. Well, I was believing God yesterday, but I don't know about today. And then next Sunday, getting encouraged again. Repeated disappointments. Things I expect to see different. Uh, go to the, you send a prayer cloth. You go to the hospital room, and they haven't got better yet. And you go, well, I guess it just didn't work. Been prayed for for the fifth time. Go back to your seat. Well, it just didn't work. Hey, your God ain't dead. You're not dead. You keep believing God and you're holding on. Amen. So it says there about even when met with disappointments, repeated disappointments, you just keep delighting and entertaining and the best expectations. Listen to this. God makes a promise. Faith believes it. Hope anticipates it. And patiently, quietly awaits it. Say, I've got my promise. Hope sees the invisible, feels the intangible, and achieves the impossible. Lost hope is the undertaker's best friend. Hmm. A lot of people no longer hope for the best. They just hope to avoid the worst. If it were not for hope, the heart would break. Hope is putting faith to work when doubting would be easier. It's easier not to expect a change or something to turn around. Listen to this. Here we go, guys. There is hope for any man who can look in the mirror and laugh at what he sees. Huh? <laughs> so anyway, thank God there's hope for me. Amen. So I just want you to see these things. When the world says give up, hope whispers one more time. Amen. To stretch beyond appearances. I want to share a few things with you. Hope is like a road in the country that was never a road. And when many people walk on it, the road comes into existence. 
You know, in your family, like in my family, there are maybe areas that maybe you're the first one to go to college, your child's the first one to go to college, or maybe you're the first one not to get a divorce and all the other family has gotten a divorce, or maybe you've gotten some success, or maybe you're working in some areas that you've seen has been something that's been going on from generation to generation. Well, you've got to believe God, even though no one in my family has ever gotten success in this area or been happy in this area or even lived a happy life, that doesn't mean I can't expect to see that broken and start something new for those coming up after me to experience and receive something I've never received. Amen. Hope doesn't come from calculating whether the good news is winning out over the bad. It's simply a choice of action. It's easy to say today. It looks like the bad's overcoming the good. It looks like this is happening in the other. No, no, no. Hope is expectation that even when the news seems to outdo the good news, we hold on to the good news. Amen. Hope is the companion of power, the mother of success, who so hopes has within him the gift of miracles. How many believe and know you have the gift of miracles? Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Listen to this. This was a story from World War II and we were celebrating D-Day yesterday. It says, hope delivers us from the despair that nothing we do matters. And enables us to tackle even the most mental, mental a job with vigor. There's a story of a B-17 bomber that flew bombing missions over Germany, Germany in the late World War II. The plane was hit several times by shells, and some of the hits were directly into the fuel tank. Miraculously, the bomber did not explode. When it landed, 11 unexploded 20-millimeter shells were taken out of the fuel tank. The shells were dismantled, and to the amazement of everyone, all were empty explosives. Inside one of the shells was a note written in Czech. When they translated it, it said, This is all we can do for now. A member of the Czech underground working in a German factory had taken the explosives out of 20 millimeter shells on his assembly line. The worker must have wondered often if the quiet work he was doing to subvert the Nazi war effort was going to make any difference whatsoever to the outcome of the war. Woo! Amen! Now, he was working behind the scenes. God, Holy Ghost, God's got somebody working behind the scenes, getting ready to get to you and get you what you're believing God for. Amen! Now, listen, you have, you have a lot to do with hope here. Listen to this. How many have heard of Viktor Frankl, the man who survived the Nazi war camp? He tells of his years trapped in the horrors of Auschwitz. He was transported there like a despised animal. And we've been in those train cars where they were just so packed into. Given two minutes to strip naked or be whipped. Every hair was shaved from his body and he was condemned to a living death. His father, mother, brother and wife died in the camps or was sent to the gas ovens. His existence... Full of cold, fear, starvation, pain, lice, exhaustion, and terror. Frankel wrote wrote that he was able to survive because he never lost hope. Those prisoners who lost faith in the future were doomed. When a prisoner lost hope, he said, he let himself decline. Oh, how many of you know you can tell when someone's lost hope? You can tell what many times when a dear sister or dear brother is going through a divorce and they stop shaving, stop putting makeup, stop bathing, stop combing their hair, stop going around people, stop getting around people, just want to be alone. It's so easy to get in that hermit mode. Why? Because I just don't have any more hope. 
He says these prisoners let themselves decline, becoming subject to mental and physical decay. He would die from the inside out. Frankel said that this usually happened quite suddenly. One morning, a prisoner would just refuse to get up. He wouldn't get dressed or washed or go outside to the parade grounds. No amount of pleading from his fellow prisoners would help. No threatening by the captors would have any effect. Losing all hope, he would simply give up and would lay there in his own excrement till he died. American soldiers later told Frankel that his behavior pattern existed among prisoners of war and was called the give up. When a prisoner lost hope, he lost a spiritual hold. I don't know if you saw the movie. There's a story about the 25,000 Americans who were taken captive by the Japanese in World War II. And they had them and they were making them work roads and so many thousands were dying. And they were mistreated and not fed right. But what happened was some of these soldiers started sharing to one another, drawing on the walls of their little bamboo hut what they desired that they were going to build their houses like once they came back from the wall. War. So they started building their homes. They started drawing them out. They started talking about how they were going to get educated in certain fields. They were talking about what type of wife they were going to marry when they got back to America. They were making all these plans for the future. And the ones who didn't were the ones who died, but the ones who had hope for a future. I'm going to go back to the States, and I'm going to start a business, and I'm going to build a home, and I'm going to marry a wife like this. I'm going to have a redhead or brunette or whatever it was. I'm going to be doing something because I'm going to build my life for the future. You've got to keep on dreaming. You've got to keep expecting that what you're hoping for is going to come to pass. What you're believing God for. It doesn't matter about your past. What matters is today and your future. And you've got to get the attitude that no matter how doom and gloom, how bad, or what happened to whoever it happened to before or right now, doesn't mean that is your future. Whatever is happening to someone real close to you, don't you take it as your prophetic word. You take the word of God for you. You believe God that no matter how difficult, how hard, how gloom, how dark, how negative it may seem. You're going to go forward. You're going to reach forward. And you're going to see something come to pass in your life for good in the name of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? You have to. You have to. Now, sure. Hope believes in the transforming power of God. What well, It has expectations of the future because God is able to transform whatever seems to be lost and undone. You know what I hear people say? How's it going? Nothing changed. Well, are you still believing God? Well, it hasn't changed up to yet. I don't think it's going to change. It's been six months. Listen, hope never gives up. You have to ask the Holy Spirit to infuse you with that. That hope does not give up. Look at the scripture in Romans 8, 24, 25. For we were saved in this hope. You have it. You may say, I don't have it. Yes, the Spirit of God, that seed of Christ's divine hope is on the inside of you. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Do you hear me? We eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Now I know somebody here is believing God for some loved one. Somebody here is believing God for some turnaround in your finances or in your home or some other area in your business. Listen, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. You may not see something changed yet, but you keep believing God and you keep believing that it's going to change in Jesus' name. Amen. How many believe God does changes? You just got to keep watching for it. You know, there's a story about a little boy 
First time he saw an escalator. How many of you ever remember going to Sears and Lafayette for your... That was my first escalator that I saw. Anyway, this little boy was standing by an escalator and he was just standing there watching it go and go and go. And finally the lady came up to him and said, Sonny, haven't you seen it enough? He says, excuse me, ma'am, I'm still waiting for my gum to come back around. <laughs> now that's eagerly expecting and waiting for something to happen. Hebrews 6, 18 through 20. We who have run for our very lives to God. Listen, how many have ran to God for your very life? Amen. Look what it says. Have every reason. I have every reason to grab the, the promised hope by both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline. Listen to this. Reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God where Jesus is. Running on ahead of us and has taken up his permanent post as high priest for us in the order of Melchizedek. Now, is that powerful? Is that powerful? We have, you have every reason to hope. Look at your neighbor and tell him that. You have every reason to hope. Tell him, you have every reason to hope. There's a lifeline through the Holy of Holies in the hands of Jesus on His throne as King of kings and Lord of lords. And He says, when you've received Him, you have every reason to hope and believe God for what God has for you. Amen? I shared with you that hope is the word like a scout. It goes into the future. It grabs a hold and it sees what Jesus sees. And then it comes back and it shows you what you're going to have and what you're going to receive. But you've got to be watching for it. You've got to be believing God for it. Amen? Amen. Now I want you to see this next. 2 Corinthians 3.12. I want you to see this. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. You know what? I have a good job. Well, how are you going to get a good job in this economy today? Because I believe God. I got a lifeline to Jesus and I know that he's going to change the situation. Well, you know, I believe, God, that my marriage is going to change. I'm going to believe that my situation has changed. I believe my family's changed. How can you believe God? Because I have a lifeline and I have a sure hope that goes beyond appearances. That goes beyond appearances. Because, listen, appearances will get you down. How many of you know that? Appearances of the way things are, the way things have been, the way things and maybe how things have not been working out. You've got to get a hold of that lifeline that I am not going to give up no matter what. Now, these are three scriptures here you need to write down. Psalms 42, 5, verse 11, and Psalms 43, 5. These are three two chapters, three different verses that say the same thing. Listen to what David is saying. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Somebody shout it out. Hope! Shout it out. Hope in God. For I shall yet praise Him for the help of my countenance. Amen. Now, wave after wave of depression was coming upon David. And he kept saying this. The Living Bible says, Why am I so discouraged? Now I am deeply discouraged. The message translation says, I wonder, will I ever make it? I'm on a diet of tears for breakfast, tears at noon, and tears at supper. Have you, have you ever been there? He says, I'm on this diet of tears for breakfast, noon, and supper, and I don't feel like I'm going to make it. But he kept saying, but wait a minute, in all these disappointments, I'm going to praise God. Now, verse 11 of chapter 42 of Psalms, the message says, Why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? Why are you crying the blues? 
Fix my eyes on God. Fix my eyes on God. And I will praise Him yet again. How many of you know you're getting ready to learn how to praise Him no matter what the circumstances are? Now I want to give you three important words in this scripture here. The Lord is my hope. Write this down. The word hope there is to expect and to be patient, rooted in God. To expect. That's what this message of hope has been to you. Now, for, this is the second week. That you've got to expect that what you're hoping for is coming to you. Now, the word praise means to speak out and to confess. But get ready for this. Do you see right here? That word for my help. You see that word help? That word help, if you're ready for this, is the Hebrew word Yeshua. It's not used all the time. But it's used here. Yeshua is the Hebrew name that Gabriel told Mary to name Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Yeshua. Now right here, David is saying, I'm going to praise him yet again. Because Jesus, say that with me, Jesus is my help. You see, Yeshua, Jesus, means help, deliverer, prosperity, blessing, peace, victory, success. Everything that salvation gives us in Christ is in that awesome name of Jesus. Psalms 91 verse 2. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. Proverbs 10.28 The hope, say that word with me, hope. The hope of the righteous will be gladness, but the expectation of the wicked will perish. Psalms 39 verse 7. And now, Lord, what do I wait for? Say this with me. My hope is in you. Amen. My hope is in you. I love the message. It says the hope of the godly results in happiness. Listen, there was a shoe salesman who went to Africa. It just shows you how you can have two different opinions. Shoe salesman went to Africa and he called his boss and he says, boss, ain't no hope here. He says, why not? Nobody's got shoes. I'm coming back home. But the second shoe salesman got to Africa and he said, the boss says, hey, how's things going? He says, boss, we're going to make millions. Nobody here has shoes. It all depends on how you look at the situation. You know? The worst thing you can do is sit around the table and talk about things as they appear. You need to start talking about what you're hoping and expecting God to do so that you can be happy. You don't need to be talking about how bad it was yesterday or today. You need to be talking about how good it's going to be tomorrow. You've got to be speaking boldly your expectation. It doesn't matter how bad you did last year in school, kids. You've got to be believing God that this next semester is going to be totally better because I hope that I'm going to have a better teacher. Yeah! That's how I used to be. Now look at this. 1 Peter 1, 3-5. through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Aren't you glad that's your team? Who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A living hope. That word hope there means to be regenerated. To awaken, to meet again. It's a hope that has to continue come. And it doesn't look at the present, but as Christ, it looks towards the future about what God is ready to do. Amen. Amen. Now I want you to see, in Revelation twenty-two thirteen, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. I am the A to the Z, the first and final, the beginning and the conclusion. 
I want you to see here, in one translation it says, I am the A to the Z, the first and the final, the beginning and conclusion. The living says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning to the end, the first and the last. Revelations chapter 1, 4 through 8 in the message says, I, John, am writing to you, to the seven churches of Asia province, all the best to you from the God who is, the God who was, and the God about to arrive. And then he speaks to the church and he goes on to say about us being a kingdom of priests and kings. And verse 8, the master declares, I am the A to the Z. I am the God who was, I'm the God who is, and I'm the God who will always be. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Are you in the house this morning? Do you need hope? Well, listen, I've been waiting two weeks to show you this. Jesus, I'm sorry for you people over there, but Jesus is the beginning to the end. I have, I need to put this on the table. I apologize. Can you all see? Well, I'm in the way. Anyway, here's the bookmarks, book holders. The first and the last. This is what it means. Because I am the first and the last, there will always be an ending for a new beginning. And many times what happens with the book ends, we allow all the omnipotent present power of God, we allow them, we, work, we have it on the side, holding things up. And in the middle, these books represent sickness, disease, Poverty, depression, discouragement. And we got the beginning and the end. And we don't think anything's ever going to end. All the bad in our life is ever going to end. But what we've got to do is we've got to stop speaking the negative, the doctor's report, what people are saying, how things are. We've got to stop speaking the negative and we've got to turn the bookends to the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And it's got to be like the Ark of the Covenant. What we need to do is fill the beginning and the end with worship and praise because God inhabits into the praises of His people. And when I start, instead of just holding up in hopelessness, with my words and my thoughts and what I'm telling people, instead of just holding up, I've got all the power of the first and the last available to hold up my life, to give all the things I'm believing God for. But instead of filling it with praise, I've been filling it with negative words, appearances, what I feel, what I don't hope for, what I expect. And i got to start changing this to where I'll start praising God. God will start coming in the middle. I will start filling the middle, not with negativity, but hope. And worshiping God, that's why God created angels to go around cry out, Holy, 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 the God who was, the God who is, and the God that will come. you got to get a revelation. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've got to go to, I start expecting that whatever Jesus has done yesterday, He could do today, this morning, right now, and He will always be able to do in our lives. That's the Jesus I serve. Now, for example, you take the omnipotence of God, the all power of God. Can you imagine when that servant was cutting that tree down with Elijah and the axe head fell in the water and like a piece of lead and sunk to the bottom? And he thought, oh, God, Elijah, Elijah, it's sunk and it's, it was borrowed. What are we going to do? And the prophet, I'm sorry, Elisha said, get a twig and throw it wherever the uh, axe head fell in the water and sank. And he threw the twig. And that piece of iron floated to the top. 
put it back on, and kept on going. Now, most of us would have said, well, I don't know, I guess we're going to have to sell a cow to buy a new iron axe head. I don't know what we're going to do. I guess we're going to be in debt. I guess we're going to have to borrow something. I don't know how we're going to repay this. Something by appearances is gone and we give up because we lose sight that the first and the last is on our side. That Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And we've got to get beyond the appearances of what things look out for and look at and start expecting and believing that what we've been seeing is going to change. Now, you see, when my wife and I are on the mission field, I've told the story a few times. She had went through years. She was believing God and walking through problems with the liver. And there was times I would come back from a, a crusade or something and she'd be rushed to the hospital, just turning yellow with this liver problem and just sick and just feeling real weak and bad. And one night we were, we were in bed and she, about two or three in the morning, she woke me up and she says, honey, she says, you got to pray for me. I, my, my liver's attacked. I'm having an attack of my liver. I feel bad. And so I just laid my hand on her and I just started praying, Father, I ask you to heal her. She threw my hand off. I said, baby, what's the matter? She says, listen, if you're not going to pray for me right, don't pray for me at all. If you're just going to do, Lord, I ask you to... She says, "Uh uh-uh. If you're going to pray for me, pray for me right. Okay. So I stood up in bed and I put one leg over her like that and I grabbed her by her pajamas. I pulled her up and I said, Satan, you and I are going to war. I wasn't calling her devil. I was talking to the, the, the sickness of devil. I said, in the name of Jesus. And I came against that. And while I believed with her, and I want you to know God healed her that night. And that was in what? 1990, 1991. She has never had a liver attack. Why? Because the Spirit of God. But you know, if you go, well, you know, I guess I'm just going to have to live with this. I guess I'm just going to have to adjust that. That's why I want to tell every one of you right now in the name of Jesus. If you've gotten a report about sugar diabetes, he is the alpha and he is the omega of whatever men may say. There's an ending of that sugar count that's wrong and there's a beginning of the right count. You may be fighting high cholesterol, blood pressure. I say right now, in the name of Jesus, we will not believe the report of man, but we will believe the report of our God. Why? He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. He's the beginning and He's the end. And because He's the end, there will always be a beginning. And all that God has always done will continue throughout. The end of time. Now you've got to believe God for that. God's perfect will is not that you have to puncture yourself for the rest of your life. I believe God with you right now that you are the healed of the Lord in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live the life of the redeemed. That this is it for the rest of your life. You're on dialysis for the rest of your life. No. My hope is in God. There may be the appearance of this thing right now. But I see the blood in the name of Christ speaking healing to me in every every area in the name of Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? Amen. you got to believe God. Listen, I heard this story from Jeremy Kemp, an awesome singer. He said, on February 5th, 2001, my first wife, Melissa, went to be with the Lord after struggling with ovarian cancer. When she took her last breath, I felt God urging me to raise up my hands and worship Him. As God taught me an important lesson about obeying Him. I sang 
Somehow the Holy Spirit carries us through pain and suffering with such tenderness when we submit to Him at the heart with a heart of a true worship and the praise of God, my mind and my heart must submit before Him. The authentic worship prepares my heart to be molded and used and obey Him as He says. Now listen, He saw His, his wife took her last breath in front of Him. All appearances says, just quit and give up. It's over. Turn on God. Why continue to sing to God? Why continue to live for God when He allowed your wife to die? What is going on in my life? By all appearances and by all feelings, I don't feel like praising God at that moment. God, you want me to sing? My wife just died. That's not the time to sing. But you see, the Holy Spirit came upon Him. And He says, wait a minute, my God is my beginning and my end. What seems to be the end will be the beginning. And he raised his hands and he started praising God. When my own dad was dying in my, in my arms right there, just half a mile away. And it was his last moments and I was talking to him and he was gone. And as I getting ready to go and as I was with him, all of a sudden out of my spirit came, I see the Lord high and lifted up and his glory fills the temple. And I looked at him and said, Dad, His glory fills your temple right now. And when I said that, I saw the light in his eyes change. And I saw a glimpse of glory through his eyes. And at that moment, he went on to be with glory. I see the Lord high and lifted up. It's at that moment, listen, this is what's going to change what you hope for. It is when, as the song goes, you praise him in the storm. You praise him beyond appearances. You praise Him beyond feelings. You praise Him beyond the natural realm. We are bad about worshiping when we feel like worshiping. We shout when we feel like shouting. When everything's going okay, boy, we can do a shouter. But when everything's going bad, let me tell you about how bad my life is. Or we come to church and we don't feel like worshiping and we don't feel like praising and we don't even feel like being here. But when you make yourself say, no matter what, like Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. I'm not going to walk according to appearances. I'm not going to be worrying about what I see. I'm going to be walking according to what I believe. And my belief and my hope is in the Lord God that He will not fail me or forsake me. Can I hear an amen? He will not fail me or forsake me. Psalms 135 through 7. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits for His Word. Now, I shared this, didn't I? Okay. Lamentations 3, 20 through 26. Listen, my soul still remembers and sinks within me. Have you ever remembered something bad and go, I just don't feel like I can hope anymore? But then look what Jeremiah says. This I will recall to my mind. Listen, you can, you're not only going to have to praise God, you're going to have to remember what God promised you and what God has done in the past. He says, I will recall this to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. You can't be meditating and thinking about what hasn't happened. You've got to be thinking about what is going to happen. Amen. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Hey, you want to say, you know what, Pastor? People say, you know what? I don't have one reason to praise God. Well, there's one right there. Thank God you're not in hell burned up right now. Amen. You're still alive. Look at this. Because His compassions fail not. You ought to just pray. Lord, I praise you for your compassion. I don't know about you, but I need a lot of compassion. And then look what it says. They are new every morning. 
Man, that's enough to praise God right now. I might have messed up big time yesterday, but His mercy is new every morning. Thank you for your great faithfulness. Thank you for your compassion. I mean, that'll build you up right there to start praising God. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in Him. The Lord is good to those who wait for Him. To the soul who seeks Him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. There's the word hope used three times. That's the teaching of the Holy Spirit. That's the transforming power of God. Amen. Psalms 107 verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And then this is the interpretation. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Listen. Whatever you're hoping for right now, you're getting ready to be able to tell your story. There's a scripture that says, you will stand where kings and priests once stood. Where kings and priests of the enemy, where the enemy has had positions in your family's lives, in your business, in your marriage, in your, in your heart, in addictions, whatever it may be. Where the enemy once stood, you're going to be standing telling your story that I once was an addict. I once was under the compulsion of this and that and the other. I had a problem with anger and hate and, and revenge. I, I was struggling in different areas of my life. But now I want to let the redeemer of the Lord say, I've got a story to tell. I can tell you how God rescued me and how God saved me. I can tell you how God delivered me and how God miraculously healed me. I can tell you that even though many say signs and wonders have passed away, I can tell you that my Messiah, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When it didn't seem like I was going to be able to come out, my God helped me out. When I was in the deepest, darkest depression, when I wanted to give up and I wanted to quit, when I was even, people, even when I was contemplating suicide, I got a story to tell. When I was about to do something, there was a voice that I heard that said, don't you do it. I love you. I've got plans for you. I've come to resurrect you. I've come to quicken the meaning of your life. I've come to give meaning in your life. Don't you give up now. When you picture yourself and all the enemy would love to do is to mock us, to make us end it. Like here's David Carradine found him hanging in a closet. Enemy loved with people die humiliated deaths. I tell you what, I'm going to be shouting glory when my time comes. You're going to be shouting glory when you comes. But right now in the living, you're going to be telling your story. I had a broken neck, Brother Johnny. Had a broken neck. And he was having to take all kind of stuff and everything. But he came up for prayer. He stood on the word and God healed him. They, they, here he is. Right here, he could tell you. Why? He was on morphine for three and a half years, and you've been off of it for nine, ten, eleven months. We prayed, and he got off of morphine after three and a half years with a broken neck. You hear? And all through here, there are stories. There are stories. There are stories of what the Spirit of God has done. There are people here who were in deep depression. There were people here contemplating suicide. There was people who was bound to addiction. There was people with no lost. But they've got a story. And you may be sitting here today and you may be saying, I feel like I have no hope at all. Good news. You're going to be able to tell your story. You're going to be able to tell what God has done. And then 1 Timothy 4, 8, having promises of the life that now is and that which is to come. 
For we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. Aren't you glad that you're going to tell your story? Amen. Would you stand up, please?